The How Is This Movie podcast is supported by listeners like you. Go to www.patreon.com slash movie. There you can pledge as little as a dollar a month and help us maintain our goal of keeping this show independent and free of advertising. I would like to take this time and say a, a very special thank you to Dan Lizette of the Podcast Digest for his recent pledge to How Is This Movie. Thank you, Dan. You're awesome. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Hello, everyone, and welcome to How Is This Movie? My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you for taking just a little time out of your day to listen. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at How Is This Movie. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash How Is This Movie. You can always reach out to me with questions or comments at HITMpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying this show, please take a moment and leave a review on whatever platform you use to listen. This is part two of my look at Star Wars. I am joined by Margot Donahue, co-host of the excellent podcast Book vs. Movie. In this episode, Margot and I discuss our experiences with the previous Star Wars films, and then give our review of The Force Awakens. Please enjoy. And I am pleased to welcome Margot Donahue of one half of the Book versus Movie podcast to How Is This Movie. Margot, how is everything today? Everything is great. I'm thrilled to be on your show today. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Now, for those who have not heard of the Book versus Movie podcast, can you talk just a little bit about what your show is about? Sure. So I have a co-host. Her name is Margo as well. So we're Margo. I'm Margo D. She's Margo P. And we talk about books and movies. We talk about book films that have been adapted from books. And we analyze both. We read the book, watch the movie. We do a ton of research. We're both research geeks. And we talk about what we like and what we don't like. And we spoil like crazy. And we've been around for about a year now. If there was an episode that you would recommend as sort of a jumping off point for the Book versus Movie podcast, which one would that be? I think for your fans, a good one for them would be Jaws. Margo and I did that episode over the summer, and it's one of our top downloaded episodes. We get a lot of great feedback from that one. So that's a good one. Jurassic Park, I think, is a good one. Um, we also just did Silence of the Lambs, and that's been getting a lot of good re- good downloads from us and stuff like that. So that's what I recommend. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of the things that I really enjoy about your podcast is that on several occasions, you've made a pretty good case for the fact that the book isn't always better than the movie. And I'm, Absolutely. Re- I'm really impressed by that. Thank you. Well, you know, it's that standard thing a lot of film reviewers do or just certain people do. Well, the book is always better than the film. And then they continue the conversation. And I just like to reel it back. And it's like, nope, I actually have a few examples of that not being the case. One of them being Jaws. I think personally, Margo and I didn't like the book Jaws at all and found it a very unpleasant experience to read. And Jurassic Park kind of shocked me. When I was much younger and that book came out, I loved all those Michael Crichton books. And I remember it being much better. But reading it now compared to the movie, Steven Spielberg, once again, really improved upon the material. and made the characters much more relatable, much more enjoyable. And then sometimes the book and movie are just different. Like Forrest Gump as a book is completely different, pear-shaped different from the movie. The characters all have different motivations. They're all there, but they're just different. So I think that's something like Margo and I just really like sort of exploring too. But And we're pretty tough. Like if we don't like something, we say we don't like it. <laughs> what, what's really interesting, you mentioned Forrest Gump there just for a moment. Now I'm, uh, you know, spoiler alert, planning an episode on Forrest Gump actually pretty soon. And oh, good. I, I, I checked the book out of the library. And on a couple episodes, I've actually read passages from books like the Die Hard episode. I read a passage from Nothing Lasts mm-hmm. Forever. And I so I picked up the Forrest Gump book and I'm like, let's let's read a passage from this book. Just, and I was like, uh, nope, uh, this yeah. is definitely if they were to stay true to the novel, uh, that would definitely be an R rated film uh, bordering on oh. an NC-17 rated film. He curses a lot in the in the book. And in the book, he and Jenny have a relationship that spans decades and very romantic. And she's the one that breaks it off with him because she's the one that's level headed in the movie. It's Robin Wright Penn, who's being, you know, an amazing actress. But they make Jenny this sort of sad, pathetic character that's like trendy and like falls apart because of the 60s and 70s and how women are treated. Whereas in the book, Jenny's a very strong, assertive character. I mean, it just happened. There's instant incidents after incidents of Forrest Gump. Like they're, they're both good, but they're very different. Absolutely. So I wanted to ask you to come on this show because, you know, we've talked in the past, especially about mm-hmm. Star Wars. And I remember yep. we had a, a pretty lengthy conversation a, a couple months back and it was 
I think it was right around the time that the official trailer for The Force Awakens was coming out, and you and I shared uh, quite a few Star Wars stories. So uh, mm-hmm. it just it just seemed like uh, you'd be the perfect fit for this episode. In the last episode that I did, I basically told a condensed version of my experiences leading up to the prequels. Uh, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time talking about the special editions. I spent a lot of time talking about Mike's, you know, that that midnight showing I went to of the Phantom Menace, and then kind of kind of skipped over talking about Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. I sort of just it was kind of an afterthought. It's like you know what, I could spend a lot of time talking about it, but honestly, what's the point? Life is short. But before we get to the Force Awakens, because that's really the the, the main topic of this conversation, I have to share with you an email that I received. Uh, a few days ago. Now, I, I, I'm lucky enough that I get you know a lot of uh, listener emails, and I try to answer every one of them uh, in a timely manner. I'm having some trouble trying to figure out exactly how to respond to this email, and I'm going to read it to you now, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. And it Go. says, Hello, Dana. I have been a longtime listener of your podcast, and I feel compelled to write to you. I think you are being too hard on the prequels, or as I refer to it, my Star Wars. As a kid growing up, I loved the prequels. They were funny, intense, and had a story I couldn't get enough of. Listening to you bash those films really bothered me. Most of your episodes, you do a wonderful job telling stories about how movies came to be. And maybe you should stick to doing that. If your podcast is going to shift into negative reviews of movies people love, I won't be subscribing anymore. Richard T. So, how should I respond to that? I mean, I... I I, (laughs) But I, I decided not to write him right back because it probably wouldn't have been the best response. Um, no, I've had no, some time no. to sort of stew it, stew it over a little bit. And, and to be fair, I do get emails from time to time. People tell me, you know, they didn't like this or they didn't like that or they didn't agree with sure. the story. But, uh, but I've never really heard the term my Star Wars, but it makes sense. So what are your thoughts? It- so I would say, yeah, it, I mean, part of me wants to go, oh, Richard, I mean, funny, intense. Those mm-hmm. movies are not funny. <laughs> They're not very intense. There's just, it, it, I mean, you, you have to, like, if you're seeing it as, as an adult, I mean, you were a kid when you liked them. As an adult, you have to kind of step back and, like, is this really the best use of Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor, that script that they were given? They're, if you've never seen them in anything else, try seeing them in other things. They're fantastic actors with a lot of intensity. You know, he would, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi is phenomenal as a concept. Why couldn't they recognize that? Why didn't they realize that to its best potential? Nobody did their best work. They did a lot of work, but they didn't do their best work, I would say. But I would understand. I have a friend that's my age um, who's never seen Star Wars. And I said, oh, aren't you going to go see the, 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 you know, the, the Force Awakens? She says, nah, I never cared for it. I didn't, you know. And to me, it's like, well, when I was a kid, everyone loved Star Wars. I didn't understand that concept. So I know it can feel like if somebody make people who make fun of liking it so much, that kind of bothers me too. Cause you know, okay. Oh, maybe I am a nerd or whatever, but so what, who's that bothering? So I get why you're upset, but you got to be, I think you're just going to have to put on your little big boy pants and kind of look at those movies with a little bit of, of a tougher lens. I mean, it's okay to do that. You could still enjoy them, but understand they're kind of junky. And I want the record to show for everybody that's listening right now that I have probably seen the prequels more times than most people. Oh, I'm sure you have. I watched uh, I I I don't know if it's if if uh, I like to torture myself a little bit, <laughs> but every once in a while, including yesterday, I watched rewatched Revenge of the Sith yesterday because the, the argument is always made that it's the best of the prequels. And it's and I've watched it over and over again and I've tried to find redeeming qualities about it and I I mean I really can't and I wanna I wanna make sure everybody understands that I understand that I know that hundreds, probably thousands of people worked on those movies. You know, and there was oh, a absolutely. lot of talented people involved with making those films. Mm-hmm. So don't think I'm I'm trying to disrespect anything that those any you know, anything that no. those people did. But when comparing it to the original trilogy, there right. is no comparison. There's no comparison. They had no budget in the first one. Think no. about that. They had no budget, and they made it seem magical. And you cared about the people. You, you walked away. You know, I, I turned you on to something called Red Letter Media. Oh, and-, and thank you, by the way, because I think I've seen <laughs> everything that they've done now, by the way. Thank you. They are phenomenal reviewers. And I got my lens into them um, was from Mental Floss that they featured them as a the, the video of the day. But Red Letter Media is this guy who basically takes apart films and said, this is what works and what, this is what doesn't work. It's kind of like, you know, what you and I like to do. Um, he's a little filthier about it. Yeah. <laughs> but he he went through that first one and boy, oh boy, he just nails it 
why they don't work. And he's not crapping on anybody who worked on it except for Lucas, I guess, because he surrounded himself with yes men and women who didn't say no, didn't say like Jar Jar Binks is a terrible idea. And those are not funny things coming out of his mouth. And it's like all of it is just bad, bad, bad. He had too much power and too much control. When he did the first one, he had hardly any power or control. And you could see like he had to rely on other people. And that's what it was collaborative effort that made it so incredible. And if we, I totally recommend to your, your listeners, if they've never heard of Red Letter Media, they should definitely look them up on YouTube. I, I will try to include a link to the, mm-hmm. uh, to the YouTube page in the show notes description. Speaking of that Red Letter Media, uh, in, in the past episode, I, I briefly touched on Rick McCollum, who was the producer for the prequels. He had got, he'd, uh, collaborated with Lucas on the Young Indiana Jones chron- Chronicles, and then he got together and, and helped um, put out the special editions. There's that scene in the Red Letter Media's uh, sort of breakdown of the uh, Phantom Menace where they have the uh, the first test screening just for just I... for the producers and the editors and everything and the look on Rick McCollum's face like the look is priceless like he has a look of shock on his face you've got Lucas who's saying well I may maybe I went a little too far in some places I might have gone too far there in yeah. a couple of spots and nobody's saying anything and McCollum, because it is so bad and they realize, like, there's so many layers he attached to it that they can't even edit stuff out. They have to just take it as it is. And that, yeah, that guy, that's, his face, he just looks destroyed. <laughs> he just you know, doesn't it, know it how to respond. It begs the question that he was probably set to make a lot of money off these prequels as the producer. I've got to imagine. Yeah. So, so you know. Yeah. At the I, same... I, 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 I'm not going to cry a river for that guy. I mean, right. he, he's, he's done very well for himself. And they all, and that, that's another argument that drives me crazy. Like, well, they were popular. Well, they made money. Like, lots of crap makes money. It still doesn't make it not crap it's just ridiculous i love that screening and that that scene in the movie when he he sees he's just you could hear a pin drop you know they just played this movie this is going to be like the biggest thing in the world in the movie world and the whole room just like just is dead silent and just george lucas kind of pops up like i think i may have gone too long there it's 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 hilarious it is so let's okay so maybe we'll come back to the prequels in a little bit i want to talk about what it must have been like to, mm-hmm. to see Star Wars in the theater when it originally came out, because I wasn't born. You weren't born yet. I wasn't born. I was born in '78, so I, yes. I, I I didn't see it yet. You were a glean in your parents' eyes. <laughs> I, I, absolutely. So you saw it. I did see it. Um, my father, uh, we lost him this year. He was a great guy. He loved movies, and he loved movies like this. And he had his he had he worked for IBM, and he had a territory in New York City. And he saw these people standing in line to see this movie, and he's like a curious guy, like they would go and he went up to them and was like, what are you standing in line for? It's New York City. It's like, what are you doing? And they said, oh, there's this movie and it's about Star Wars and it's this and that. And dad said, well, do you think my kids would like it? And they're like, yeah, bring your kids. So we had no idea. We just got in the car and went to see Star Wars as a family. And that's the thing. It was a family experience. We all did it together. And of course, it was just like one of the most magical experiences ever. It was just completely fun and amazing. And it was like a family movie. Like we all really enjoyed it. So my first experience with Star Wars was seeing Return of the Jedi in 1983, and it's it's funny you mention a family thing because my my dad took my brother and my two sisters. Yeah, we we didn't. I was five. I didn't even know where I was going or what I was doing. But I remember right, right. seeing that movie, and I remember. And what what I loved about it is because I think at the age of five, I was too young to comprehend that I was seeing what uh, you know a sequel to Star Wars. Yeah, but as yeah, soon sure. as the movie started. I remember saying, oh, you know, there's Luke Skywalker. You know, there's everybody. And, and I mean, I, I got the comprehension right then and there. And that's the earliest movie-going memory that I have. I think me too. I'm trying, maybe, maybe some Disney movies or something like that. But it's the first time I remember being in a movie theater and just, like, wanting to leap out of my chair with joy. You know, when they blow up the Death Star and all that stuff like that. All of that stuff. And just Princess Leia with the hair and, uh, like, the all that, the hair buns and stuff like that. Just all of it just completely enchanted me. And one of the times I really sat and paid attention to a movie. So, so I think it's safe to assume that we both, you know, you, you, you clearly saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater. You saw Return of the Jedi in the theater. You, I'm sure you loved mm-hmm. them. Uh, would you put mm-hmm. Empire as, as your favorite of those three? Or, or how, do, how do those three films stack I, up for you? You know, Empire and, and The New Hope are kind of even for me. I go back and forth. I mean, Empire is the, the meteor movie. It's the tougher one, but it's more resonant and there's more going on there. But the first one is just so amazing because it was the first one. Yeah. And it had Obi-Wan and all that stuff. So I definitely I, – I, I wasn't thrilled 
with Return of the Jedi. I mean, it's okay, but I think by then I was a teenager and I was a little over those Ewoks. I so <laughs> so for me for me like I, it's got to be just this deep rooted rooted nostalgia in me, and mm-hmm. maybe maybe the fact that I did see Return in the theater. Um, yeah, I I. I love Return of the Jedi, and I know a lot of people don't. I mean, a lot of people love it, and it, you know, it belongs in the Star Wars universe. Oh, sure, it's fine, it's fine. I don't hate it. It's Re- just not my favorite. Rewatching it uh, a couple weeks ago, the entire third act of that movie is just—it's just awe-inspiring. It's magical because there's three yeah. things going on at the same time, and that's really hard to pull off. The 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 battle in space. You know, the, mm-hmm. the lightsaber duel with Darth Vader and the battle right. that's going on at Endor. And it just keeps cutting back and cutting back. And I, I just really love it. So let's talk about let's. So 83, you know, we go through the 80s, we get into mm-hmm. the 90s. You know, there, yep. was, there was a couple Ewok movies and, you know, those are yeah, those are yeah. fine. Those are fine. Those are TV movies. And, and I've mentioned before that the battle for Endor, the second Ewok movie, is surprisingly violent. Um, <laughs> I've lo- never seen it. Oh, you've got to watch it. Well, you, you have to put yourself, you have to watch the first Ewok movie. And these are all on YouTube. You have to watch the first Ewok movie. Uh, it establishes a family on the, the moon of Endor that is crash landed on the moon of Endor. And I don't, I, I don't want to spoil what happens in the second one. But let's just say the second one is incredibly violent for a TV movie and for a Star Wars movie. Okay. So so let's let's bring ourselves into the early to mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is a thing. Everybody knows what Star Wars is. It's ingrained in our pop culture. Right. There's really no talk of prequels or anything like that. I mean, I think it, you know we didn't live in this digital age that we live in now, where you know I can already tell you how many movies Marvels is going Marvels going to put out for the next twenty six years. But we'll get back to that in a little bit. Yeah. Um. What were your thoughts on the Star Wars special editions? I saw the the first time they reissued Star Wars into the theater, which was the first time since I was a kid. And that was that was exciting. I think I was babysitting. I took a little kid, and they loved it. But I noticed Jabba and a couple of other like stuff they added in there. And I was like, hmm, I'm not sure about that. But I knew he wanted to make money for the prequels, and I was totally okay with giving George Lucas my money to sure. make prequels. You know, that, that I was totally like, absolutely. So um, I thought they were they were fine. I mean, I I, I don't like all the jazzy stuff he did on top of it with the digital and stuff but they were they were fine it was fun to see it in the theater again i agree i'll I'll agree to that point we were all a little naive to see the red flags that were that were going up oh with, with yeah the we edition. let a lot go yeah we, we, we let a lot go we definitely let a lot um there, we gave a lot of passes after those films so you know we know pretty much how you and i, I mean it's known how you and i feel about the prequels but mm-hmm. if you could briefly take me through your first experience seeing The Phantom Menace, you had to have seen it in the theater. I mean, everybody saw it in the theater. Did you everybody see it in the saw theater? Everybody saw it in the theater. Yeah, I did. And I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I took one of my best friends in the world. Uh, she's my next door neighbor. And she never is into nerd stuff. She's sort of nerd averse. You know, she, if anything seems kind of nerdy, she gets a little like, mm. she never saw Star Wars. I'm like, you got to see this with me. I heard some choppy reviews. I didn't go the first weekend. Heard some chop. Like, well, I want to, it's Star Wars. How bad could it be? And then just sitting there and like, just the tedium of it. Like, it's so boring and yet so complicated. You know, yeah. I'm 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 so, I'm so ready to be stimulated, but they keep talking, and I have no idea what people are saying, and I have no idea why I'm supposed to care. It, it's just this this horrible misuse of Samuel L. Jackson. You have Samuel L. Jackson in your movie. What does he do? He does nothing. Absolutely nothing. 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 And I, just like I was, it just got more and more depressing. And I didn't. I actually didn't see the other prequels in the theater. I I was a. I just sort of like, Mm-mm, and I just sort of backed away. So let's let's sort of bring ourselves to post two thousand and five. The, mm-hmm. the there's now six Star Wars films. It kind of feels like it's over. It kind of feels mm-hmm. like you know. The, well, we we live in a world where there's three good Star Wars movies. There's right. three, and I'll say it, Richard T. There's three terrible Star Wars yeah. movies. Yeah, Richard, you got to get it together. I, you got to. Yeah. Gotta, I'm sorry, dude. You can love something that's shitty. Yeah, it's okay to love something that's shitty, yeah. but you got to have some taste. At yeah. some point, you got to have more standards and, and for what you're going to put yourself behind. Okay, so so we're living in a world, we're living in a post Star Wars world where, you know, there's there's still the onslaught of merchandising. There's still Star Wars video games popping up. I was somebody who got the Star Wars Battlefront games for back when I used to play the Xbox and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
and would always often go back and revisit the original trilogy from time to time. I was good to at least watch those three movies at least once a year. That was something I just did. And, sure. and I would do it by myself or with friends. And you sure. know, it's like visiting an old friend. You know, that's, you know, it's just Spike TV. Spike TV uh, does it every once in a while. It's like all weekend and I'll just keep it on yep. and I'm cleaning absolutely. the apartment and doing stuff. You know, absolutely. I'll have those. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll own those movies on uh, DVD and mm-hmm. um uh, Blu-ray. Do you have a VHS of the originals? I, I do. I do have. I have. My very good friend Elizabeth lives down the street. She has the, that's her. She keeps it proudly on her um, yeah. table. Her table. It. Um. Excuse me. Her on her coffee table. I bought a box set years ago, and it's came out. It was a box set that came out in 1990. Yep. So it was. A, it was a uh, remastered. Well, remastered for 1990s technology. Right. But their he original didn't theatrical mess around cuts. with yeah. it. So yeah. So we're we're living in this post Star Wars world. Uh, they re-release this. They start the process of re-releasing the movies in 3D. This starts. This mm-hmm. starts in very early 2012. Uh, I mentioned on the previous podcast that I made it through about 30 minutes of the Phantom Menace, and I said, "What am I doing?" You're like, "Your amps great." What am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> and then later on that year, we hear that Disney has bought Lucasfilm for four billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And let's be clear about something: Lucasfilm owns several properties not just the star wars properties i mean there's other films there's other mediums there's video game franchises there's a bunch of stuff that lucas films owns mm-hmm. but disney paid four billion dollars for one reason and one reason only and that was to get the star wars license to get the franchise to do mm-hmm. whatever it is they want and they didn't sit idly on it for very long they quickly announced that they're moving forward with three more films now mm-hmm. I'd love to hear what you were thinking about that before they announced one. J.J. Abrams? Yeah, exactly. Before they announced J.J. Abrams in a release date and everything. I mean, what were your thoughts? Disney, the mouse has bought Star Wars. You know, Disney, they're, they're, they know how to make money. I, 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 I didn't, but I, honestly, I didn't think they would do it so quickly, like you said. Like, they announced this, and I thought they would take a few years to, you know, create the script and get the director. Like, they, it seems like they just hit the road running with it. George Lucas, I don't know if you've read it, like, recently, he was rather surprised that they didn't want to take his notes after he sold them. Absolutely. <laughs> the property. From, from what I read, that they initially said that he would be brought on as a consultant to sort of help the, the new writers you know, mm-hmm. understand the Star Wars universe a little bit. And then he passed over his 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 treatment for the next three films. And they just said, thanks, but no thanks. You know, thanks, we- but no thanks. I mean, just I don't think do you think he gets like how upset people are with what he did to those movies? I I, I get a feeling he, he's he's so isolated that he doesn't realize like how how upset some people really were at those prequels. Well, I, I recently saw an interview where they asked him. I can't remember exactly what the question was, so I'm going to be paraphrasing his answer. Mm -hmm. But he essentially said that he's beyond frustrated with the fact that he makes movies. When you make a movie, all you do is get criticized. And, you know, I got to stay just for just for a moment here that, you know, I I don't want this to be a constant shit fest on on George Lucas. because The man did create Star Wars. He did oversee, you know, the original trilogy. Now, Irvin Kirshner directed... Empire Strikes Back, but everybody knows that Lucas directed Return of the Jedi, even though his name is not listed as the director. Right. He was there every day. So, I mean, he, you know, he... And he's, he, a, he, he's a very philanthropic person. Exactly, he gives exactly. a lot of money so, back to the Bay Area where he's from. He's, at all all accounts, he's a very nice person. He's a kind person. He's not a vicious person or selfish or whatever, um, but he's stuck in his own head. I almost, sure. I almost feel like that if he had essentially made the prequels not in the Star Wars universe, not done with Star Wars characters as a, a wholly original story, you mm-hmm. know, tweaking a few things here, obviously not Jedis and everything like that, and, and made these three films, he may have gotten a pass on that. People might have looked at this and said, okay, this is a new intellectual property that he's created, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud right now. Right, you know, right. When you look at the original Star Wars, and this, I'm going to touch on this more when we start talking about The Force Awakens, um, there, there just wasn't any magic in in the prequels, and the first ones mm. are magical. Let me hear your opinion on Star Trek 2009. Okay. okay. Did you see that movie in the theater when it came out? Is that the J.J. Abrams that one? That is the J.J. Abrams, yes. Yeah. I'm, now, I'm definitely a Star Wars girl versus a Star Trek girl, but I do agree that every other Star Trek movie is good, and 
it's like the even ones, numbered ones are good and the odd ones are terrible or vice versa. And I love the documentaries from Mary Crosby. She has two documentaries about Star Trek that I love. But other than that, I've never saw Next Generation or right. uh, Deep Space. I don't know any of that stuff. But I heard such good things about I like J.J. Abrams and I heard such good things about the reboot that I was like, well, I'll go check it out. And I absolutely loved it. I thought he did a fantastic job. He made Star Trek kind of cool and sexy again, I, uh... which... That was deader than a doornail. <laughs> Let's be honest. I, I've never been a Star Trek guy. I've never. Right. I. I. Okay. I only saw. This is. This is gonna. This is gonna make some people head heads spin. I only saw the Rathacon for the first time three years ago. Like I'm. Okay. I'm talking like I'm just not a Star Trek guy. The only Star Trek yeah. movie that I had seen multiple times was Star Trek for the Voyage Home, the one with the humpback whales in San Francisco. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. So that's that's the good one. That's that's a good thing. And the Rathacon is a good one. And like I said, if you if you're into Star Trek and look up Mary Crosby's documentaries because they are fantastic. It, it makes me understand why people love it so much. It just doesn't make me love it so much. Right. So so when I when I saw I, I saw Star Trek 2009 in the theater, I, I'm right there with you. Love the movie. Yeah. I just it looked great. He Abrams can do something with visual effects that I think very few directors seem to get a grasp on. And that is even the CGI effects, for the most part, look good. Like They, they look, look good. They look good. Like, um, uh, and we'll get back to, like, I've had some issues with Avatar. You know, you know the, some of the oh, yeah. CGI on Avatar didn't look that great. Um, but with Star Trek, it looked, I thought it looked really good. I'll go out there and say that I thought Star Trek Into Darkness was also a very good film, and I enjoyed that as well. I know there's a lot I of people it- that don't like that one. I know people don't like it. I found it very enjoyable. I thought he did it. I think I think he did a very good job. He cast those movies really well yeah. with good actors and gave them something to say and gave them motivation that I cared about. Because the problem with the Star Trek, um, the, the movies, after a while, the actors were so old yeah. and they were so kind of over it. Like it was just throwing it away and it's it's too bad. But like that's, you know, getting, I'm sorry, but getting like really young, sexy people like into it really revitalize Absolutely. that whole thing. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the uh, announcement that mm-hmm. J.J. Abrams has uh, accepted the job. I say accept it because he initially was very skeptical to take the job. Um, because he was he, terrified to he, take the job because yeah. he knew he cared. He's yeah, like, he, he you know, cared. he's like my age. He, he grew up with it. So he, he thought it was important and special. And he wanted to give his level best effort because he knew if he didn't do a good job, whew, the nerds would come after him. You may not. He may not have recovered from it. That's the thing. And that's got to be right. I mean, that's got to be incredibly stressful and, uh, and a daunting task. So when yeah. it was announced that he was going to be doing the next Star Wars film, what were your thoughts? I thought, great, because I liked the Star Trek movie. I'm somebody who didn't care about Star Trek, and all of a sudden he made me really care about it. So I thought, this is someone who gets the material, and he's going to give it his best effort. So I was totally on board. Okay. I was totally on board. So we're, we're getting closer to actually talking about The Force Awakens. Yes, I know yes, people, let's I know, talk about this movie. So, so we'll, we'll, I'll quickly condense down um, the last year, okay? Because for the last year, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I saw the teaser trailer that was released right around Thanksgiving 2014. You know, there mm-hmm. was nothing. There was nothing to that except, a, you know, you see the Millennium Falcon for just a moment. But that was enough for me to say, I don't want to see anything else. I don't want to know right. anything else. And I spent a year, and it was one of the most difficult years of my life as far as, like, in a movie se- aspect. Because that trailers, they, they kept coming out, and teaser spots kept coming out. And I was, oh, I was so frustrated. And I broke down. I almost broke down a couple times and, you know, yeah. literally had the YouTube open to the page. And I said, no, no, you're going to love it that much more. So you you were watching the trailers over the past year. You were kind of keeping an eye on, on things. I was keeping an eye on it. And uh, yeah, I didn't want it. It didn't need to be a pristine experience for me. So I was OK. But I my thing was is I didn't read any of the reviews. As soon as I knew that it was starting to get reviewed by people, I stayed off of Twitter. I really all of it. I just because I wanted to just go in and, and have it be a fresh experience. And a, a movie, a good movie should be able, you should be able to go in and just sit in a chair and watch it and know what's happening. Because you wouldn't be able to do that with those prequels. I mean, you would sit in that chair and like, who the hell are these people? What are they doing? So my, but I think that JJ did a great job. Like, you know. What about, tell me about your expectations. Knowing that, you know, we've been burned in the past. I know that I was quietly, cautiously optimistic. What were your thoughts? What were you thinking? Like, like were you preparing yourself for the just in case factor, like just in case this film doesn't, of course. You know, so I mean, but at the same time, yeah. at the same time, I was much, I was into it, going into it much more confident than say when I was going into Revenge of the Sith. 
Well, I don't know. Do you follow Patton Oswald on twi- on Twitter? I, I, I don't. I don't. And I know he, how, I know how he is. Yeah, but I know he's a huge, he, huge, huge Star he, Wars guy. He's a huge Star Wars guy. He's a huge nerd. And he just wrote, he went to see the premiere and he just said, thank you so much, Mr. Abrams. And I was like, okay. Because he wouldn't say that. And then Carrie Fisher, did you see Carrie Fisher on Good Morning America with her dog, with her dogs, Gary? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, she was saying it's a good movie. Carrie Fisher's not going to lie to you. Carrie Fisher's going to say what she wants to say, and she would not go through all that trouble. You know, Harrison Ford, who's absolutely one of the most dull interviews ever, he never puts any energy into it, and is on every show being up, you know, upbeat and amazing. Like, I was like, these people, they care, they, of course they care about this material more than I do. Like, this is the, part of their lives, and if they could be enthusiastic about it, I think it's going to be pretty good. Okay. So this is the part where I'm going to say spoilers to anybody that hasn't seen The Force Awakens <laughs> yet. Uh, it, the movie's been out for over two weeks now. Uh, so yes. if you haven't seen The Force Awakens, this is the part where you're going to want to stop for right now, mm-hmm. because we're going to get into do- actually talking about the movie, and I, again, I I made it a point not to spoil it for anybody, so don't let mm-hmm. this podcast spoil going. Go see the movie. Go see it. That's go see all the movie. That's all I'm going to say. Go see it. If you haven't seen it, you're probably one of only a few people on this planet I, right now. I can't so, imagine. But, so let's... How many times have you seen it? Tell me. How many times have you seen it? Okay, so I've... <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. So, I want to know. <laughs> so so I, I've, I've seen The Force Awakens four times now. Oh! <laughs> so I've seen it four times. I've seen it twice. So I've got this downtime, you know, the other day, and, and there's a movie theater... And, you know, I have certain movie theater rules and, you know, it was like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like one o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday or something like that. And I was like, you know what? Movie theaters are like two minute drive from my house. I'm just going to go see the movie again. And I did. I just went in and sat down. And what I really liked doing was kind of watching the audience's reactions to certain things. I, I knew they were coming. Certain, yeah. So and it could, of course, you can be as spoil filled as, as you want. Talk to me uh, just overall. What were your what was going through your head after you walked out of that movie the first time? After I walked out of the movie the first time, I mean, it, 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 there was, the only thing that I regret is that the first time I saw it, it was like a 1 p.m., like the day after it opened, and it was like maybe like Divorce Dad's Day or something because there was a lot of like dads with their kids like and not the moms. right. So it was like the energy was just different. Like the kids were trying just to be good and not noisy. So like my friend Stacy and I was just – huge star wars nerd we were clapping and yelling like you know when we saw the millennium fact and we saw all the, the the chess game and all that stuff we wanted to go crazy and our audience was very subdued they weren't jerks they were just kind of subdued so i i wish i had been gone to an earlier show like maybe the midnight or something because it would have been a little more raucous but i also remember like it's a movie that's over two hours long and i have a bad back and i don't like sitting through long movies and i could have sat there for another two hours Absolutely. like they could have just immediately gone right into the next part of that story and i would have been totally fine i wouldn't have to need a bathroom break nothing i was totally into it i'm gonna just say that i was there, right there with you at the same time yeah like i when the when the lucasfilm logo came up on the screen and then the star wars logo the crawl. came up the, then the crawl happened i didn't get ch- actually get a chance to read the crawl i i have in subsequent viewings that that there's brief little story right. in the pa- remember, past yeah. episode a woman well, yeah a woman blocked her crawl she she, she did she just <laughs> completely uh, was, would not get out of my way I was all the apprehension that i had about that movie and there was some i mean you had to have had some mm-hmm. uh, it it, sure. it it just melted away within the first 5 minutes of the movie and just talking about the first scene on Jakku with uh, uh, Max Moncito. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say Christopher Lee. Uh, with, with Max. He's one of my favorite actors. I, I love The Exorcist. I love everything he's been in. He just brings so much weight and gravitas. And it's like he's a huge – to me, he's a huge star. And Absolutely. like he's there right away. I was like, I'm in. It took about five minutes for me to, to really calm myself down and say, this is going to be fun. And the moment, right. the moment that happened was Kylo Ren lands. He comes off the ship. They've got Poe Dameron. They drop Poe to his knees. And Kylo is just staring him right in the face. And when Poe says, so who talks first? Do you talk first? Do I talk first? Like, like all of a sudden, that moment right there, I just, I just smiled. Oh, and, yeah. Because the, yeah. light, the light went off. Like, okay, that's the type of humor that I'm used to in a Star Wars movie. Witty dialogue. Not Witty slapstick. Dialogue. You know, right. you know, there wasn't like like BB-8 wasn't like slipping all over the place and, and you know, just no. being, being an idiot or anything like that. So all of a sudden it became a very all of a sudden it's, this movie, it's it's smart and it, right. it looks really good right off the beginning. It looks really good. 
all of a sudden it looks like we're not in front of a big blue screen anymore. Like we're literally out exactly. in Abu Dhabi where they were filming that scene. So Right. So what do you th- I feel the same way. And I felt like I I really loved the fact that um is it John Boyega? Is yes. that how you say I his so. name? Yeah. yeah. So um Finn, who I, I love how he named him Finn. Yeah. I just that's just like Finn and Poe, their relationship was so amazing. Like, but the fact that here's a stormtrooper shooting at people, and you could tell he's just terrified of what he's about to do, and and completely doesn't want to take take part in this thing, and he doesn't know how to get out of it. And just, I I really liked that. Like, it just I liked how they humanized a stormtrooper for a second, yeah. and like the blood on his his uh, face on his helmet. Um, I but I loved him. I, I loved how he rescued him because it was the right thing to do, and they and they. You know, ah, I love their escape. I just love their escape from there. I thought that was fantastic. I I liked all of the performances. I have to yep. say, like I think everybody did a great job. And it's like the thing you get good actors and you give them something to say. Absolutely, you know, and it, and keep the stakes high and, and make me care. Let's talk about sort of uh, you talking about the performances. Let's talk about a few of the characters right off the bat. So we 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 love Poe Dameron. We love Oscar uh, Isaac. He's he's. He's, what was what was he in before? He, I, I, okay. He's new to me. He was recently. This is this is this is just show the, the diversity that he has as an actor. He was recently yeah. in the movie Ex Machina. I haven't seen that yet. Is that good? I might try to yeah, see oh, that tonight. Yeah, no, that's really good. That's really good. Okay. And, and you're going to look at Oscar Isaac in a completely different way I, when I you think, watch that movie. I think so. So so he he was great. Daisy Ridley. Let's talk about her for a moment. Oh, she's going to be such a. a an inspiration for girls for generations. It makes my heart just grow 10 times bigger because she's even tougher than Leia. You know, she's her own person and she's smart and she's resourceful and she's a good friend to people. And I just adored her. I love her character. I just think she's amazing. Ray is amazing. Absolutely. And I think she did an incredible job. She looked like a, like she could kick ass. Absolutely. She looked like she could, you know, she could really like carry that lightsaber. Like she could win a fight. I loved her. And we talked briefly about John Boyega for a moment. Um, mm-hmm. British actor handles the handles, yes, his, handles he's from his, London. handles handles his accent very very great in that movie. He he does really well in this film. So yeah. let's talk about because we're going to get into some more spoilers for just a moment. I want to talk about a couple other characters. And if I was disappointed about a couple things, it was what? that everybody was so good in this movie that I wanted mm-hmm. more of them. Okay, yeah. I wanted more of them. I was I really for some reason liked General Hux. I really liked his character. Mm-hmm. I loved the fact that he had no problem standing up to Kylo Ren. Kind of like he was Kylo right. Ren, he was Kylo Ren's superior. It's like, you know what, you're Kylo Ren, you're still kind of in training, okay? This is my show, all right? And I'm going to call you out in front of Emperor Snoke and I don't care. You're not going to do anything to me. Now, I wonder if that's sort of, you know, that's going to lead to something, you know, down the right, road. Right, right. Uh, and the speech that he gives before they fire the Star Killer weapon. Oh, I mean that incredible. was incredible. I mean, what? I mean, what picture are you painting there with that? With that entire speech, it was it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible performance. And he's like shaking as he gives that speech. Absolutely. Like he's he's physically being moved by what he's saying. Like it's just like seeping out of his pores. I love that scene. And even though he's the bad guy, I was like, yeah. Really- no. But that's another thing. Look, it's so well done. Like you're just really interested in everyone's motivations. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of the the bad, the, the two the two bad guys in this film, you know, Kylo Ren, General Hux. When you you don't necessarily have to like the character, but when you understand their motivation, when you truly yeah. understand why they are on that side, it makes sense. Like it just it it like I'm sorry, I get a little frustrated because I'm going back to these prequels again for a moment. I didn't know what the hell was going on in any of those movies. I I had nobody to root for. I didn't yeah. care. I didn't care. Like, once again, I'll say it again. You have Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor going out on a journey. I should be like, this is going to be exciting. It's going to be thrilling. I want them to win. I want them to fight really fearsome bad guys and win. And I didn't care. They were just going to meetings for all I, I yeah. understood. Just like, it's just, ugh. Let's yeah. let's talk a moment about some of the returning characters from the mm-hmm. Star Wars universe. First introduction of, and, and if I remember correctly, we've had this conversation in the past. You were a big big uh, Han Solo fan from the original. He Star was Wars. my first movie. He was my first movie boyfriend. Like there was the first time I saw somebody. Like I had a TV boyfriend. I think it was Fonzie. I think <laughs> I think he was my first movie boyfriend. Like I and I, you know, of course Han Solo would be a terrible boyfriend to have. But what did I know? I was just a kid. But he's so charismatic. I mean, he brings so much to that part. 
that it's just because he's not a hero. I mean, he's a no. rascal of a guy like going, you know, going about being selfish and doing what he wants to do. And then he, you know, he jumps in when you need him. And it's, you know, Harrison Ford, he's he's listed first, by the way, in the credits, which is the first yeah. time it's happened in a Star Wars film. And he just looks like he's having a ball. Well, I found interesting about the character was it's 30 years later and he's, yeah. back, he's back to smuggling again. He's smuggling he, shit again. Yeah, like I mean, he, yeah, that's, he's, I mean he's, that's he's what right. He does. That's what he does. You know, that's and who he is. It was just, it was just incredible. And Chewie, and, and Chewie. seeing Chewie again, just I, well, he had it. he had more to do in this movie than than any other film that's ever. That's the best Chewie performance ever. I, but Peter Mayhew must have been so thrilled with that yeah. because Chewie was a real, co- you know, comrade yeah, for uh, for Han absolutely, Solo. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we briefly see C three PO with a red arm, which. Maybe gets explained in another. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, probably the next one. He's he's only there for very briefly and just kind of for comic effect. Yeah, absolutely. Just what he's kind of always there for, I guess. What are your thoughts? Hopefully, on- next time we'll get more of him. I hope so. I really do. Yeah, I really do. Uh, what are your thoughts on Carrie Fisher? I am a big Carrie Fisher supporter. I, you know, Princess Leia is a big character to me. Just was being a young girl, I, I looked up to her. She's a fantastic writer. I like Carrie Fisher's, Fisher's writing. I think she's smart and funny and all that stuff. I wish she was doing more in the movie. Yeah. I loved seeing Princess Leia there. I'm glad she didn't get a ton of Botox and all that other stuff. She looked real. She's still beautiful and she's still smart and you could just see that radiating from her. But I wish they gave her more to do and hopefully and acted more like a general. Like at some yeah. point somebody says ma'am to her and I was I was kind of like maybe go, no, they should be saying general. So hopefully in the next one she'll have more to do. And that's, I'm hoping. And that, I mean, that, that just goes back to, like I said, if I have gripes with the film, it's that I wanted to see more of the characters. One of, mm-hmm. the, thing, one of the things that I had a conversation with, uh, with a coworker of mine a couple of nights ago about this film, and he hadn't seen the movie. And he goes, well, is there anything wrong with the movie? And I said, no, there's nothing wrong with the movie. What's wrong with it? What, I mean, what, what the issue is, is that we don't have the complete story. We don't know right. what's going on. We can we can call back to the original trilogy with no problem. Oh, this is this is why this happened, and this is why this happened. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's an it's it's an interesting situation to find yourself in because after the prequel, after the first prequel, I didn't give a shit. I, I didn't care. Right. I, okay. Well, there's another one coming out in three years. Three years, by the way, by the way, was just long enough for me to go. Oh, well, this one might be pretty good. Well, I'll give this one a try. Like it was it was I you know it was the the right. the prequel effect as I'll call it. It was just long enough for me to say, you know what? Maybe I'm ready to jump back in this universe. With this Force Awakens, I want the answers and I want them now right. and I have to wait 2 years. Well, not even 2 years, actually, a year and a half. Yeah, it, when is it coming out? You you do you know the schedule? I do. I do. They just released the schedule. So, we have Star Wars Rogue One comes out december of next year and for those who don't know what rogue one is um disney is doing an anthology series a standalone anthology series that is going to tell separate stories set in the star wars universe this first one rogue one is going to be set after the events of revenge of the sith before the events of a new hope and it is actually going to involve the rebels who actually steal the plans to the death star and um oh okay okay and then the felicity jones Am I saying that mm-hmm. she's the one that was in the Stephen Hawkins film that just came out? The theory right. of everything. Okay, she is the lead actress in that movie. Okay, so so she's the lead actress in that film. So and that movie is being directed by Gareth Edwards and Gareth mm-hmm. Gareth Edwards. Now this is actually something I want to touch on. I didn't mean to bring it up right now, but I want to touch on it right now because I have I have I actually have a concern. And Gareth Edwards, he came out of nowhere with a movie called Monsters which was a small independent film that came out three or four years ago. Have you seen mm-hmm. it? Mm-mm. Uh, think of it. Sorry. That, no, no, that's okay. So I'm, I'm not going to spoil it for you because it's actually a very good movie. It's worth your time. It's worth watching. He, Monsters. on the strength of that, he was given his big, his, his first big studio project, which was the Godzilla film that came out last year. Oh, did I see that? Who was in that? I saw the Matthew Broderick one. That was really terrible. That was bad. Now, the, um, uh, Brian Cranston is in the new Godzilla film for 15 minutes. Oh, I didn't see it. <laughs> no. Is it bad or is it? Um, so this is what Gareth did in my opinion. Okay. Uh, and I, I applaud him for attempting this. He did what I'll call the Jaws version of Godzilla. And by that I mean is don't show the monster till the third act of the movie. Right, right. Which, which, again, I like that, 
But in a world where we kind of already know what Godzilla is and there's been 30 plus films, I don't want you to wait until the end for the big reveal. You know, I think we should right. just go ahead and jump right into it. But th- but then again, and I think a lot of people didn't like the movie for the fact that it was very little Godzilla in the Godzilla film. Uh, right. it, it was a well-made movie, very com- I mean, very mm-hmm. competently directed. So this Star Wars Rogue One is going to be his second big budget film. And I'm just, I get nervous about the idea... Maybe. I mean, maybe I'm. Uh, this is all for nothing. The movie's going to be fantastic. But the same thing applies to Star Wars Episode Eight. J.J. Abrams is not directing that movie. Ryan Johnson is. Ryan Johnson's only claim to fame is a movie called Looper with um, Bruce Willis and... Oh, um, um, oh, the kid from Third Rock from the Sun, yeah, ex- right? Uh, yeah, yeah. The guy with the three names. Then, yeah. yeah, he's got three names. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll yeah. figure it out. In post-edit, we'll, we'll figure Absolutely. it out. Um, so that so wait let me get, I'm sorry let me interrupt you because I need to know so we're not going to know about Ray until like two movies from now right um, and I'm sorry and I'm sorry because that's let me go back to you said when's the next when's the next one coming out so December of next year we get Star Wars Rogue One well December of this year Happy New Year everyone we're recording on January first yeah so Star Wars December of this year we're going to get Star Wars Rogue One which is a standalone film is not part of this new trilogy okay now May of 2017 is the Mm -hmm. they just announced the release for star wars episode eight so we're a year and a half away from that okay okay and that one is being directed by ryan johnson ryan johnson did a movie with looper and um the kid who eventually will become robin in the nolan batman universe yes i know i i like him too he just did um he was on that show right now people are screaming at us oh they're just screaming at us idiots he just did rhythm nation jenna jackson's rhythm nation um joseph gordon levitt i got it joseph joseph gordon levitt Levitt. all i could say was the the guy with three names so he he was lip yeah he was on that lip syncathon show whatever that's called he did rhythm nation jenna jackson's rhythm and he had the makeup and everything that's awesome so 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 ryan johnson is doing episode eight J.J. is staying on in a producer's role. I just read a recent article where J.J. feels like maybe he's made a mistake not agreeing to direct the, the entire trilogy. Oh. So now after that movie in 2018, we get another Star Wars anthology movie. Okay. Okay. This one is going to be the young Han Solo movie. Oh. Okay, so this one will okay, be... Okay, I'll watch that. This will be the one where this is going to be the origin story, if you will, of Han Solo. Now, That's very cool. I, Disney has already begun the casting process for that film, and as of this past week, have already auditioned 2,500 people for that role of the young Han Solo. Wow. they they got to get that one right, and they're, I mean, they're, oh, they're, they're taking their time on that one. So that movie comes out, and then in 2019... We get Star Wars Episode Nine, the conclusion to this fir- this new trilogy. That oh movie is being directed by Colin Trevorrow. Again, Colin Trevorrow made a small independent film called Safety Not Guaranteed that came out three or four years ago. Again, a really <laughs> fun, small, independent film. It was really good, by the way. Put that one on your list to see as well. So, yeah, so I'm going to write that so down. Monsters and Safety Not Guaranteed. They're both fun, independent okay. films. On the strength of Safety Not Guaranteed, Colin Trevorrow was given Jurassic World. And so he made Jurassic World that came out this past year. That makes me actually even more nervous. Yeah, yeah. Did you see Jurassic World? I did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was inevitable that I it's, was going to say it's a passable film, but it's it's a fine film. It's, it's passable, film. but the characters are not very believable or likable. Exactly, yeah, likable. That's the key. I mean, when you can't yeah. ident- when you can't identify with a character, that goes back to the prequels. You can't identify with any of the characters in the Star Wars: The Force Awakens. You can identify with Finn. You can Absolutely. identify with Rey. You can put yourself in their shoes and say, you know what? I probably would do the exact same thing that they're doing right now. And right. the motivations make sense. So Jurassic World, it was like, I hope I don't get an email from Richard about this. But that movie was a bit of a mess and wasn't really oh, any likable characters. So you've no. got Colin Trevorrow is going to be doing that. So we have a Star Wars movie, in a sense. We've got, five, am I counting five? Rogue One, Episode 8, Han Solo, Episode 9. And then there is another anthology film that is coming out after Episode 9. And from what I've read, it's going to be the story of Boba Fett. And this. Oh, wow. People have been waiting for that for years. So this brings me to a part where I want to ask you is there such a thing as too much Star Wars? I think so. Okay. 
For me, that's a lot. I mean, who knows how the quality? I mean, I'm one of those people though. Like, I can't. I'm not a Marvel person, so right. I can't keep in touch. Those movies come out. I can't tell them apart from each other. It's too many characters. It's too confusing for me. It's just not part of my world. I'm much more part of the world of Star Wars, but I don't know. I mean, I hope they're all good. I mean, it's it's fun to think of like once a year there's this really great movie coming out that I could look forward to, but I do worry about too much going on. Are they producing all these movies at the same time? And well, right now, as know, who's we, in charge of all of it? Right now, as we speak, Rogue One started filming back, I believe, back in August. So they've there we we could probably get a teaser trailer for that any time now. And okay, I, and I'm not putting myself in a, 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 a no trailer induced situation. Again. No, I'm no, not, don't do that. I'm to not doing. Anymore. I'm not doing that again. Life is um, short, Dana. No, I know, I know. So we have, um, <laughs> and then episode eight, as far as I know, begins filming the end of this month. So, okay. so they've got multiple wow. projects going on. Uh, in previous episodes, the very first time I did a, a Star Wars mini episode, when the first teaser trailer came out, I talked about. I was worried about exactly what we're talking about. I was mm-hmm. worried about too much Star Wars at, 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 at too much Star Wars too quickly because there's a common thread between Marvel and Star Wars, and that is they are both owned by Disney. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I stopped going to see Marvel films after Avengers in the theater. Right. In fact, truth be known, I walked out of the Avengers. because Really? I did. I walked out of the Avengers because I'm, I am such – and this is, again, me. I have crazy movie rules. I like I, I like to identify with with what I'm seeing. I like to relate to the characters. I love Nolan's trilogy because everything about that movie, for the most part, was realistic. Was like mm-hmm. this this is this is you know this is a real this is a real city. This could really happen. Uh, it will never happen, but it could happen. So when I'm watching the Avengers and they're on that aircraft carrier, and all of a sudden the aircraft mm-hmm. carrier sprouts propellers and just takes off into the sky, that was the part where I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm out. And I just I got up and and I just literally wow. just walked out of the theater, and it was it was like it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I I don't care, right? Like this 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 is this is silly. Those and, movies I I get on uh, on demand in demand. Yeah, and I not as soon say, as they're on in demand because I could be home, I could be you know reading magazines and doing other stuff, and then I'm entertained by it just enough, right? Because I don't care. I I just want to be entertained sometimes, Absolutely. and that's what I get from them. But I don't care about any of those care. I wish I could, but the argument that I would make uh, about those movies, and I stand by this argument, was that you in no way feel any true conflict or threat against any of these characters because marvel has already announced if i watch avengers age of ultron that came out last year Mm -hmm. i'm not worried about thor captain america the hulk iron man i'm not worried about any of them they're not in any real danger because marvel's already told me that each of them has got another five movies apiece coming out right so why should i worry about well they're obviously gonna be okay right of course now with the star wars again Spoiler alert, with the Star Wars movies, you don't know. No. You, you honestly don't know. Do we know that right. there's another Han Solo movie coming out? Absolutely. Did Han Solo die in The Force Awakens? Yes, he did. Spoiler yeah. alert. Spoiler, yeah. How did you feel when that happened? I was, well, I, as soon as he started walking on the plank towards him, I, I knew it was, he was going to be toast. I, I, I knew it was going to happen. I didn't know how it was going to happen. He, yeah. wa- he wanted out of the series after Empire Strikes Back. He, right. He did. He wanted out. So I knew he wasn't making it, but I didn't know how it was going to happen. I was, I was, you know, it was, it was, it was sad. You know, it was, was sad, but it, he died a hero, which was really important to him. He did. That's and, why, like, and the best part, I mean, Chewie's reaction right after that. I mean, he takes that bowcaster, yeah. which, by the way, great foreshadowing on that bowcaster. They kept, they kept referencing to his Chewie's weapon throughout the movie. Yeah. And then you see Chewie get a shot off and hit Kylo Ren with that. And I was just like, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's what I say when Chewie did way more than he's done in any yeah. other film. Chewie was a great character in this movie. I really enjoyed. Che- I mean, I've always enjoyed Chewie, but he was so much more active and, and so much more. He was so far more important to the plot this time. Absolutely. And was a real hero. Yeah. Like I said, going back to what I said about the I know there's a Han Solo movie coming out, but I mm-hmm. tell you, it's a it's an origin story about him. So I'm not worried about it when episode eight comes. Any of the main characters could maybe not make it through the movie. Oh, of course not. So, Luke so, might not make it. Yeah. It's, it's... So to me, there there is a real what if question. With the Marvel mm-hmm. movies, there's no what if question for me. And that's why I've been taken out of that universe. Because right. I, I can ju- understand that. I just, it, you've said, I, I don't care. 
Now, have I, I seen all the movies? Yeah, I've stopped going to see them in the theater. I saw right. Captain America Winter, Winter Soldier, and I'll be honest with you. You know, that was a fun movie. That was enjoyable. Of course. Uh, it, it was they're they're really well made. I'm not going to I'm not They're very I, well made. I don't And want, the acting is always good. I yeah. think and, and I love I like the Iron Man movies very yeah. much. And I there's, find, there's I find funny very banter. Enjoyable. It's witty. Yeah. But when it all comes down to it, it just I don't care because it just doesn't it, I mean nothing's going to happen to any of them. They need to kill off a character. Somebody yeah. somebody needs to go. Someone, so, yeah, they got to kill off one of them. Yeah, which one of the actors is willing to do that? So yeah, and they're, yeah, well, it's not Robert Downey Jr. He's, he's no, making, he makes too much money. So so getting back to the Star Wars: The Force Awakens, Captain Phasma. That was a character I was so excited for. This was the stormtrooper that was in the the silver. That's only in the movie for a brief period of time. It's it's okay. She's played by played by the actress who's in uh, Game of Thrones. She's so she's really tall. Really tall. Right? Yeah, she's like she, six she, two or she, something she, like that. Yeah, she plays Captain Phasma. This was a character I was super excited for because I just thought she looked so badass. And that first yeah. time you get that shot of her just sort of walking up to Kylo saying, what do we do with the villagers? And he says, yep. kill them all. Like, by the way, that sets a tone right there. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, totally. Totally. She's only in the movie for three other small scenes. And then she's gone. I right. was disappointed about that. That was a character yeah. I really wanted to see more of. I wanted to see more of her too, and I wanted to see her without the the helmet on. I yeah. wanted to have her like take it off and like have you know Kylo take off his helmet and like have them like have an interaction or something like that. Maybe the second one. Well, maybe, that's, that's you know, exactly. Maybe, this, this, maybe they're setting us up for that because you never saw her face. Exactly. It's just her, her her presence and her voice that you're like, Wait, she's scary. I want to find out about her. And that just goes back to the whole. Like I said we already know the story of the original trilogy, and it's so frustrating not to know the story of this one. Yeah. So, so I want to talk about possibly my favorite character in the movie and that was bb-8 and i can say that oh i love bb-8 i can say that after now seeing the movie four times that they could have gone a lot of different directions with introducing a new droid and they may have just i mean they knocked it out of the park i mean that is and the fact that that is a practical effect that is a real purpose-built droid that there, yep. maybe, there was a couple, maybe a couple CGI scenes, but whatever. I just fell in love with that that little droid, and it happened more and more and more. And my Absolutely. favorite scene in, with involving BB-8 was when they sort of get back to the Rebel compound towards the end of the film, and BB sees Poe for the first time since since they were on Jakku together, and you just see him racing down the runway. Oh, He's so please. excited to see Poe, and it's just like, it, you know, to me that there was so much emotion in that little two second scene. That I my, yeah. my my heart melted. I was just like that is I just love that character so much. I loved it. I loved it when he lit a lighter. Yeah, give a little you thumbs know, up. Give thumbs yeah. up to yeah. to. Fa- I love that. I thought he was. I you know R two D two is one of my favorite you know yeah. robots of ever of all movie But BB is pretty much kicked his ass. I think yeah. he's just he, he's so cute and he's yeah. so useful and he just he's funky and I just fell in love with him. So I you know. And and I, I know we're not alone on that. Like, everybody loves no. that character. And I was, I mean, I just loved it. And I wanted, there's a couple other things I want to cover. But let's talk about Luke Skywalker. Yes. Okay. So what's up? Let's talk I, about we'll, that for a second. Let's, okay. I was, okay, so let me give you my part when I, I'll tell you when I thought he was going to be introduced in the film. And that was the lightsaber duel at the end. Yes. When after Kylo Ren slashes Finn in the back. And the lightsaber just is tossed in the snow, and he's trying to pull the lightsaber. He's trying to force grab the lightsaber, and it's going in two right. different directions. I said, well, this is it. This is where Luke's coming in. I was like, holy shit, we're going to see Luke. And it turned out to be Ray, and that was, again, an awesome scene. An awesome scene. That's like one of the reasons why you want, you want to go to a movie and go to a theater is to see that kind of a scene. Because it's a big payoff. It's like yeah. she's the one. She's the and one. It was, and it's fantastic. So let me ask. Okay, so here, here, a testament to how good The Force Awakens, it was an hour and ten minutes into the movie before I was like, oh, yeah, Luke Skywalker's supposed to be in this movie. Where is he? Because I was so <laughs> into the movie. Where, yeah. where were you with that? Like, at what point were you thinking, we got to get Luke in this movie at some point? I mean, every time that I, I was just curious about, like, every time they mentioned Luke, you know, where is he? Why did he go away? You know, it's it, all that stuff, the map and everything like that. And I love Luke Skywalker. I loved how they ended it, though. Like, that's a perfect ending. Like, she's going to meet him. Like, she's going to be his student now. And is she his daughter? Is she Obi-Wan's daughter? Like, what's going on with her? That's I, that's what I want to know. 
See, that's good. I mean, that's exactly it. And when he turned around, he turned around and he looked at him and it was Mark Hamill. Oh, and- please. It's, it's great. It's like out of a Zeppelin cover, Led Zeppelin cover or something. Exactly. And he turned around, the, clips the, the mower cr- about, you know? The crowd in the theater, and I didn't mention this at all, but the crowd in the theater the first time I saw it, they were into it. I mean, oh, there, I wish I had seen that. Yeah. There was applauses yeah. and cheering and. Yeah. And, and people just started screaming when Luke when Luke turned around and it was Luke. And here's all that's going through my mind: the movie's over. No, the movie's over. This is ending because it, it can't it, be. It went into this big pan panoramic scene, and I was like, I kept the camera pan back, and I was like, uh oh, this is it. And then it says directed by J.J. Abrams on it. It's like, oh. I know. Like I said to you before, like I could have just sat there for another two, two and a half hours and seen the second part right away. No bathroom break, nothing. Like I was totally into it. So I think everybody that's listening knows clearly that we are both big fans of this movie. Yeah, I think we've demonstrated that. I don't want to get into this ranking system. So many people mm-hmm. that I've, so many reviews that I've I've read and, and watched on YouTube and Everybody, well, where does it rank? Where does it rank? For, mm-hmm. for me, it's in the Star Wars universe that I know and love. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that it's back. I tweeted after I saw the movie, mini review, Star Wars, or I tweeted, spoiler free review, Star Wars is back. And that's it. Right. And I stand by that. Yeah. This world, it looked, okay, let me just say this. When you see a Star Wars movie, Empire Strikes right. Back and Return of the Jedi, you see things you've never seen before, and you're just in bewilderment sometimes and in awe. And that happened in The Force Awakens for me. Right. It didn't happen in the prequels. In the prequels, no. what I saw was, that doesn't look real. That doesn't look real. That really doesn't look real. Are we in a 50s diner? Is he talking to somebody in a 50s diner with robot waitresses? What is going on? So that is... Right. Okay. So I'm not going to rank it, but I'm going to tell you that it is in the Star Wars universe. Where is it for you? It's in the Star Wars universe, but I'm the one who like doesn't even talk about the prequels. I I can't even. I I just I that went into my brain and went out very quickly. Poor Richard T is going to be so upset with us trashing his precious prequels. Oh, poor thing. But um, yeah, it's in the Star Wars canon, and I'm I'm totally on board. I'll go see all of them. Let's get into some of the. There is some minor backlash about this movie, and that's inevitable about about, about the Force Awakens. There's some minor backlash as far as some people saying that it. Uh, it too closely parallels the events of A New Hope. It, some people have gone so far as to say it even rips off the story of A New Hope. You know, there's a third Death Star and all these things. And to that, I say, okay, that's great. Yeah. Because I, I, fucking, I fucking love Star Wars. And you can I tell the Star same Wars. story six different, six different yeah. ways. And I'm going to see it. You, you know, I'm okay with that. Yes, that's- I feel the same way. My brother, I saw the second time with my brother Joe. And he went, eh, it was kind of predictable. Because it was like, and I I just said to him, I said, Joe, we're not talking about this for the rest of the day. (laughs) We just went about our Christmas day because I feel like that too. I'm like, so what? It's dependably great. (laughs) Absolutely. It's the issues that I have with Marvel movies. I don't have with these movies yet. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited about this movie. Oh, and I'm sorry. There are some people that, that claim that the prequels, that this movie is just on par with the the prequels and uh, you know mm-hmm. i can take i'm going to take the diplomatic route and say that i disagree with that assessment george lucas we talked about george lucas and the fact that they basically ignored his ideas there was some speculation that he was going to just tell the continuing story of luke skywalker and his kids and solo's kids and, and you know maybe that's happening maybe they maybe they plucked a couple ideas from him I read an interview, actually, excuse me, I saw an interview on YouTube where he was being interviewed, um, I think by Charlie Rose or, or somebody. Charlie Rose. Yeah, where he mentioned that, and he says breaking up, he says that he compares oh, yes. Star Wars, losing Star Wars to a breakup. And then the first, yeah. in the first year of a breakup, you have to cut off all communications. You don't call them. You don't call the, the person you broke up with. You don't talk to them. You don't show up at their door. I mean, I'm paraphrasing what he said here. Um, right, right. You know, he did make a comment initially that he, he enjoyed the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. He has since taken a bit of a harsher stance uh, towards yes. the Star Wars. He was interviewed by Charlie Rose, um, and he's basically saying now that it was too retro. It was almost too loyal to the original movies. And he was saying he wanted to talk about all new things and new planets and new spaceships and, and yeah. stuff like that. 
which nobody wants to see. We like, saw he, that. He did, we saw that. We saw that. Nobody cared. I mean, he just he just a very obstinate guy. Or very he just he doesn't get like that people didn't want to see his version of it anymore. But he sold this property to Disney for four billion dollars. Let's right. just say that again. He yeah. settled it for four. He got four billion bucks because of this deal. And then he was shocked that they didn't want to like include him in all their ideas. But he compared it to white slavery. Like he gave away this property. And it's like that's not slavery, sweetheart. That's not how slavery works. It's then he's had to apologize yeah, for he, it. Yeah, he's since, since retracted then. retracted he, that he white sound, slavery comment. He, and I get it. This is his passion. It's the thing he created. It's from his brain from over 45 years ago. And, and he's he still cares about it and loves it and all that. But you shouldn't have sold it. You yeah, know, when yeah, you sell I mean, something to somebody else, that's it. Here's what I have Ends to say breaks. to this. Here's what I have to say to, 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 Lucas's and, to Lucas and his sort of his complaints about, you know, breaking up is hard to do and everything. You could have made three more Star Wars movies and each one of them would have made a billion dollars. Because no matter exactly. what, we would have gone and saw them. We would have watched them. You could have done it. You, nobody would yeah. people would have been excited they would have been yeah. excited i don't know my personal theory i told you just when you were, you and i were talking on the phone before is that he saw that red letter media yeah those those videos and he realized like i i'm losing my touch and somebody else needs to take i i swear to you but then once he did that and they did and they did what they did with it he got upset like I, for some reason he wants to do some more like he said it's a space soap opera and he wanted to have more uh, more spaceships and different planets and stuff like that and nobody wants that no. nobody wants it so i will say thank you george for creating star wars creating Absolutely. it i'm done seeing the force awaken in theaters four times is okay. enough i That's it's, it's it's something i will own on blu-ray when it comes out and i'm, ex- I'm eagerly eagerly excited for director commentaries and things like that and behind the scenes stuff like that yep. because we got very little i especially got very little this past year on on the star wars i'm not going to do that again so i guess you know what we'll go ahead and wrap things up here right now because i think we you know we covered pretty much everything we needed to talk about i think we've any... exhausted the topic <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think uh, i know, think this... we have the title of the show is how is this movie and i very rarely do movie reviews so I think Margot and I can safely tell you that if you ask the question, how is Star Wars The Force Awakens, it's phenomenal. and It's, it's great. It, it deserves to be viewed multiple times. So, mm-hmm. Margot, I want to thank you for joining me today. Before you go, however, please tell everybody how they can find book versus movie and, you know, all the different platforms, social media and all that stuff. Thank you so much. So the best place to reach us is at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash book versus movie. Margo and I do a lot of interaction there. And especially if you have ideas for future episodes we should do, drop them there. We're also on Twitter. We're trying to increase our Twitter presence. So just at book versus movie, spell it out. And we're also on the web, bookversusmovie.com. And I'm at Brooklyn Fitchick. That's my personal blog. And I'm at Brooklyn Fitchick for Twitter as well. That's awesome. So listen, Happy New Year. Again, I want to tell everybody we're recording on January 1st. And this was a recording that has – the subject may have changed, but you and I had planned to do a show together for months. months, Six months. Six months now. And, (laughs) you know, and again, the the fault in that lies solely on me because I have one of the ridiculously busiest schedules that uh, it's not even fair sometimes. I actually have no work today. So I'm, you know, I'm going to, when we're done here, I I don't even know what I'm going to do. I might just go for a walk just to give you an idea. I'm just, I have no free time. So, so thank you very much for joining us. And um, Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to have you back on the show again before Star Wars Rogue One comes out, because there's a few books that I want to discuss with you because you're, you're, you know, the, 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 the knowledge that you bring when it comes to the book versus movie universe. I think that's just terrific. So. Um, absolutely anytime you can also subscribe to us on itunes at stitcher book versus movie podcast okay excellent. so definitely excellent subscribe to us there 